You know, have you ever obeyed God or done your very best to obey God, to do what you know God wants you to do, perhaps in a certain situation in your life? Perhaps it's uh, knowing I I need to behave in this way at school, I need to do this at my job and not engage in doing what other people are doing at your job. Perhaps around certain family or friends, I, I need to act a certain way. Have you ever obeyed God, done your part to remain loyal to Him, perhaps even uh, spreading the gospel, having those conversations with people at work, at school, with your family and friends, and everything just seems to fall perfectly into place? Maybe they're open to what you're saying. They're very receptive. They're curious. They want to hear more. Have you ever obeyed God, though, and everything seemed to fall apart? Nothing at all seemed to go right. In these moments, whether everything is going right or everything is going wrong, as Christians it's very important that we remain loyal to God and remain true to our mission as Christians. We must be mission-minded because our orders from our Lord do not change depending on the situation. For example, His order to proclaim the gospel or preach the gospel, proclaim the good news, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, does not change depending on the situation that we find ourselves in. And as we'll notice tonight for a few moments, the power of the gospel works in all situations. So, we have to remain true, we have to remain loyal, we have to remain mission-minded, regardless of the situation. So open your Bibles with me tonight, if you will, to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, as we think about being a mission-minded Christian, regardless of the circumstances. As we mentioned earlier, sometimes in obeying God, everything seems to go exactly as you hoped it would. Everything sometimes just falls perfectly into place. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 10, you have the Macedonian call. Paul has a a vision, and they're telling him, asking him to come over to Macedonia and to help them, and so they do. They depart and go to Macedonia. And so, picking up with verse 11, Therefore, sailing from Troas... We ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple, from the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Sometimes everything... Now, they're obeying God here and going to Macedonia. This is what uh, a vision, this is a miraculous thing. This is from God. They know this is what they need to do, so they go there obeying God's command. Sometimes everything falls perfectly into place. That phrase there, 
in verse 10 and 12, uh, 11 and 12, they had good traveling conditions. That phrase that says we ran a straight course means that they had the wind behind them. Later on in Acts chapter 20 verse 6, it's going to take them five days to make this return trip instead of two. So they had, and you think about in that day, today if we want to travel somewhere, normally we just hop in a vehicle and we drive. And the conditions, unless it's now, during a, an ice storm, the conditions usually don't matter a whole lot. If it's raining, if it's dark, if it's light, it doesn't really matter. You know, our vehicles are normally suited for just about any traveling conditions we come across. Well, on this day, they didn't have cars. They were maybe walking or they were having to get on a boat. A lot of their travel was subject to the weather. Well, they had great traveling conditions on their way in to Philippi. So that fell into place. Then when they get there, they found Jews gathered on the Sabbath. And this is the group that Paul would usually, as he's entering a new city, this is the group that he would usually go to first. The Jews would often gather near water. When they were in foreign countries, when they were away from Jerusalem, if there wasn't a synagogue there, they would usually gather near water. You can find an example of that in passages like Psalm 137. So he knows to go down and look by the water, and lo and behold, there is a group of Jewish women there. So sometimes everything seems to fall perfectly into place. The trip it didn't take long at all. They didn't have any problems coming into this place. He gets there, he looks around, and sure enough, he found some Jews. The group of people he normally started with, he found some. And on top of all that, they found open and honest hearts. At least Lydia and her household had open minds and open hearts to the preaching of the gospel, and they obeyed, they were baptized into Christ. Now the reason that's significant is in passages like 2 Corinthians 3.15 and others, a lot of times the Jews' hearts were so hardened by their, their preconceived ideas that often it was very difficult, even for someone like Paul, to teach them and convert them to Christ. And so the fact that they found Jewish people whose hearts were open and had honest hearts to the gospel was in and of itself a, a, a wonderful thing. Everything was going so well. No problems on the trip. They found a group of Jewish people and they had honest hearts. And then on top of all that, they received a place to stay. Lydia opened up her home to them so that they would have a place to stay while they were in this city. We know that Lydia was a woman who at least was somewhat wealthy. She was a seller of purple. She was a seller of really a luxury item of that day. So everything is going just about as well as it can for Paul and this missionary group. Great traveling conditions. They found the group they normally look for. Open and honest hearts. And then they don't really have anywhere to stay. And this group, the woman who obeys the gospel gives them a place to stay while they're there in the city. Sometimes, when we obey God, when we do what God's Word tells us to do, sometimes everything's just going to go perfectly. Now, as we're about to notice, that's wonderful when it does, and that's something to be thankful for when it does. 
But we need to be cautious not to think that every time we obey God, that every time everything will fall perfectly into place as we think it should. Because as we're about to notice in this chapter, if we brought that way of thinking with us, if Paul and the group with him had that line of thinking, what's about to happen would probably shake their faith to the very foundation. Because, verse 16 through verse 24, sometimes, even when we obey God, sometimes everything falls apart around us. Picking up with verse 16 here in Acts 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates, to, to the city officials, if you will, and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Paul, Silas, and those, the others who were with them, still obeying God at this point, Everything has gone so well up to this point. But then everything starts to fall apart. Paul's teaching is continually disrupted. In thinking about this, I suppose I had never really thought about it before, but I was imagining this situation. This demon-possessed slave girl, the text says, followed them around for many days crying out, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, while that was true, coming from a demon-possessed girl who was used for divination, for fortune-telling, this wasn't exactly the public support that Paul was looking for. And can you imagine if you're Paul in that group? You're going around the city. You're engaging in conversations with people about Jesus Christ, about the gospel of Christ. And it seems as if every time you turn around, this girl comes up and interrupts your teaching. No wonder then the text says that Paul was greatly annoyed or greatly dismayed. It reached a point, I don't know why Paul waited many days. Perhaps Paul knew that if I cast this demon out, that this is likely not going to go well. And so he tried for days and for days. And then finally, he could wait no longer, and he cast the demon out of the girl. And then, after that happens, Paul and Silas are drugged before this court, and they are falsely accused 
of stirring people up. Once the demon is cast out, they're falsely accused. And Wayne Jackson said in his commentary about this, that yes, there was this, this motive. They had lost their means of making money. Certainly that was likely part of it. They owned this girl and they used her to make money. Certainly that was part of it. But there was something else along with this. Rome was very tolerant of different ideas, of foreign religions, so long as they were not very aggressive in what they taught, in what they were doing. Christianity, Wayne Jackson said, is very aggressive. What they were doing was really in many ways an assault upon the idol gods of Rome. And some of these folks started picking up on that. So they're drugged before these city officials. They're falsely accused. And then, Paul being a Roman citizen, Silas, it seems, being a Roman citizen, without any trial, without any sort of court appearance, they are then savagely and brutally beaten by a mob and then tossed into prison. They would have likely have been bruised and probably bleeding, perhaps cuts over their body. And on top of all of that, they are then placed into the most secure cell the prison has and placed in stocks, incredibly uncomfortable. Now you think about Paul and Silas then at this point. They've been obeying God. They have been doing what God has told them to do. And things were going so well. And then in a matter of moments, it seems, this, this girl who had been interrupting their teaching for many days, the demon is cast out, they're drugged before this, this group of officials, and then they're beaten, probably within an inch of their life, and then thrown into a prison cell. I mean, think about how we would feel if that happened to us. Perhaps thoughts of how long am I going to be here? Perhaps thoughts of, did I do something wrong? Should I have done something differently? Perhaps some thoughts of, you know, why has this been allowed to happen to me? And what we see from Paul and Silas that we're going to learn from hopefully tonight is in these moments, perhaps especially in moments where it seems nothing is going as it should. Everything seems to be falling apart, perhaps especially in those moments. What we need to do as Christians is to stay loyal to God and to stay focused on our mission. Notice with me, picking up with verse 25. So they're in prison, perhaps questions running through their heads. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Picture this in your mind. The bruised, the battered, probably bleeding Paul and Silas, after all that happened to them, being unjustly tossed into prison, were praying and singing hymns. A hymn is a song of praise. They were praying and praising God at midnight. Probably so late because being so uncomfortable and in so much pain, likely they could not sleep. And the prisoners were listening intently, closely paying attention to what Paul and Silas were saying or what they were singing. This great earthquake then shakes, looses the bonds of all the prisoners. And Paul, upon seeing the keeper of the prison about to commit suicide, Paul loudly cries out for him to stop. This wasn't a... This was Paul saw this about to happen, and he loudly cries out for the man to stop what he's about to do. The sight of a man about to enter eternity unprepared to meet God was enough to cause Paul to shout loudly for him to stop. Never mind that this man had probably treated them very poorly up to this point. I don't know that we think about that sometimes, but this jailer, perhaps he's involved in beating them. Certainly he's involved in putting them into the innermost cell of the prison, and he probably doesn't do it too kindly. Likely, the little bit that they've interacted with the jailer up to this point, he has probably treated them very unfairly and very harshly. But Paul, seeing a soul about to enter eternity unprepared, bruised, bleeding, perhaps some of that from the jailer himself, Paul essentially yells at him to stop, that they're all still there and nobody has run away. The reason the jailer is about to do this is the penalty, if the prisoners had escaped, the penalty that he would have to pay is whatever those prisoners were in there for, he's going to have to suffer the penalty himself. And you think about a whole jail full of prisoners who have now escaped. Every single one, whatever it was they were facing, whether torture, death, whatever it was, he was about to be subject to all of it himself. And with that in mind, he thought, this is my only way out. And this man comes to Paul, and he wants to know what he needs to do to be saved. And so Paul preaches the gospel to him and his household, and they obeyed the gospel. Now, towards the end of the chapter, we'll come back and think about what happens here with the jailer in a moment. It seems the next morning, the magistrate sent the officers saying, let these men go. So the keeper of the prison, his life has been totally changed in one night, comes back to Paul and says, hey, they're letting you go. So therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and they have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. 
And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. See, being a Roman, they were entitled to essentially due process. Paul and Silas, being Roman citizens, were entitled to a fair trial. And they did not get it in this case. And so the, magic, the city officials, if word of this, if, if Paul had wanted to make this a big deal and word of this had gotten back to the higher-ups, these city officials in Philippi would have been in some very big trouble with the higher-ups. And so that's the reason they are very afraid when they hear that. And so they come, plead with them, brought them out and asked them to depart the city. And so Paul leaves and Silas leaves. They go back to the house of Lydia. They see their brethren there and they encourage them and they leave. Paul, doing a little bit of research on this, I'd never known this myself, Paul was actually thinking of his mission when he responded that the officials should come and get them out of prison. This wasn't a, a vindictive thing. This wasn't a, you know, an aha, I told you so thing. In doing a little bit of research, one commentator said that in Macedonia, in this territory, one was especially viewed as innocent if he was released from jail by the officials. Paul wanted the officials to come get him out because he wanted that entire town, the church and everyone in that city needed to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he and Silas were guilty, were innocent of all charges. They were guilty of none of it. And now the whole city, the church there, the whole town would know these men were beaten and thrown into prison and they were totally innocent because the officials came and got them out. And then before he leaves town, he stops to encourage the church. Now, as we said, as Christians, we need to be, remain loyal to God and be mission-minded, focused on our mission, regardless of whether everything's going right or whether everything seems to be going wrong. Because, as we notice here, everything's going right, and a soul obeyed the gospel and was saved, at least one, Lydia, and those in her household. But then even when everything's going wrong, Paul and Silas have been beaten and thrown into prison unjustly. A soul, at least one soul, the Philippian jailer in his household, is still saved by the preaching of the gospel. Now if Paul and Silas had given up at that point or they had said, you know, we're going to be quiet from here on out, the Philippian jailer and his household would have never likely obeyed the gospel. But because Paul and Silas remained focused on the mission, regardless of what was happening to them personally, the gospel was still preached and a soul, souls were still saved, even though Paul and Silas faced all of that. So tonight as we think about this and as we thought about this together, Sometimes when we obey God, sometimes everything is going to go exactly right, exactly the way we hoped it would go. Sometimes things will fall into place just perfectly. But sometimes, even when we're obeying God, sometimes it will seem like nothing is going right. It seems like everything is going wrong.
And regardless of whether everything is going right or everything seems to be going wrong, we as Christians must stay focused on our mission because the gospel is God's power to save, Romans 1.16, and that's in both good and bad situations. And the only way that we can obey in both situations is if we are focused on our mission. We must be focused on the mission to take the gospel to all the world, whether it's working out for us personally or whether it's not. I appreciate your good attention this evening. Tonight, as we think about being focused on being mission-minded, focused on our mission, focused on remaining loyal to God, and as you think about your own life, Perhaps you realize that certain situations in your life have actually, uh, you have faded somewhat in your resolve to follow God loyally and faithfully. Perhaps you realize that that's something that you need to make right in your life. Whether that be public or private, you can respond tonight and one of the elders will pray with you and they'll pray for you and your brothers and sisters in Christ will encourage you, build you up because we have all been there. Everybody goes through difficult times in their life and many of us perhaps would not be here tonight if it was not for someone who encouraged us along the way so we can be here and we will be here for you if you're not a child of god if you're not a christian you can obey the very same gospel that lydia and her household obeyed the very same gospel that the philippian jailer and his household obeyed Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He is Lord and Savior. Just as we talked about this morning, mentioned from Acts chapter 2, repent of your sins, confess His name as the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts 8, and then be buried with Him in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. Tonight, if you need to respond to the invitation, won't you come as we stand and as we sing?